Well, good morning, Joliet. First, he has risen. All right. All right. It's good to see you. If you're here for the first time, thank you for joining us on Easter Sunday. It is a time of celebration. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to thank you for being with us this morning. I was reminded over this last week, thinking back to April 11th, 2004. I was in the Middle East, in the middle of Baghdad, and I can remember it was Easter Sunday. I'd just finished my meal with my best friend, and we were walking out of the chow hall that day. And I remember hearing a familiar sound, but it was too close to be comfortable. And I remember uh, it took me a moment, but I, I suddenly recognized that there were bullets heading our way. There were mortars heading in our direction. And there were explosions that were happening just beyond the wall that kept us safe from all the people outside there. Scared. We took off running to the tent. I grabbed all my gear. I was still in my running uniform. And you can imagine what it's like to lay on hot sand with only shorts on. But I grabbed all my gear. We lined up on the berm. And I remember we just waited there for anything that would come over the side of the wall. And I remember looking as soldiers went forward, and I remember just in that very moment feeling a fear like I had never experienced in my life. You might say I was scared to death. You see, it was in that moment that I realized, you know, people say that your life will flash before your eyes. Well, it's not just your past that flashed before your eyes. It was also my future. As, I, as the flash went, then came the future. See, I was engaged, and I realized that that day there was a possibility that I may never see my fiancé again. I may never be married. I may never have kids, and I may never see my family, my friends, or the people that stand before me today. That was a very real moment. But it was also a moment where fear had gripped the very depth of my soul, so much so that I couldn't even talk or move. In fact, I was paralyzed. I remember it was, it was like an insurmountable task just to move my body. And I didn't know if the ground was shaking more or if I was shaking more. I was that scared. But it was this moment where I was gripped with fear to the point where I could not move. Did you know that you can actually be alive while you're dead? Well, let's rephrase that. To let it make sense. Did you know that you can actually be a dead while you're still alive? Some of you don't know that today. Sometimes I don't know that. But it is possible to be fully alive and fully dead at the same time. And, and it is fear that keeps us dead. And so the question that I have for you this morning is, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What scares you to death? Matthew has something to say this morning to us in the gospel of Matthew chapter 28. We find this resurrection story that begins to speak to us about fear. So if you would stand with me, we're going to be in chapter 28, Matthew. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen for you. But Matthew speaks to us today about fear in the middle of this resurrection story. Matthew 28, it says, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. 
there was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on top of it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were, hear this, so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. Dead men, excuse me. In fact, some translations say they were scared to death. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you to go. So the women hurried away. They went from the tomb, hear this, afraid yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Whoa, that's, I wonder how that happened. Like running and all of a sudden, bam, like a brick wall. Or how did that, how did that, I don't know, but anyway. Suddenly Jesus met them and says, greetings, or in other words, rejoice. They came to him, clasped his feet and began to worship him. And then Jesus said to them, these are the first words of the new world. Check this out. Do not be, say it with me now, afraid. Say it again. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there you will find me. This is the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Usually I don't stick to my notes. The last two weeks I've been doing that because I usually say things I shouldn't when I don't look at my notes, so I'll, I'll... not risk it today, although we may get a little risky, I don't know. It says in Matthew's account, I love this, this word afraid is laced throughout the entire resurrection narrative. And it tells us in verse 4 that the, that the, the soldiers were so afraid that they shook. Now, I don't typically teach Greek on Easter Sunday morning. That's not the time for it. But if I don't teach you these two words that express this English word afraid, you will not get the gravity or the gravity, terrible pun, of what we're about to talk about. And so (laughs) some of you are just now getting that. And so this morning it says that the soldiers were afraid, but, but it gets translated to phobu. Now this word phobu sounds like our word phobia, which means fear. But I'm really not interested in that word today. You see, I'm interested in the word to, which precedes the word phobia, and here's why. Because this word in the gospel and in the Bible is used over 20,000 times, and nearly half of them are untranslatable. Now, this is an important point. I think this is what Matthew wants to say to us today, is that this is an untranslatable, a speechless kind of fear that meets the soldiers in this moment. To the point where they are like dead men walking. Where they've been so gripped with fear, they can't move. They're speechless. You've had these moments, right, where you're just, you've had these moments, right, in your life. This is what Matthew wants to express to us, that this is a speechless moment. It is a moment where they experience, even though they are alive, it's all. Can I ask you this morning, what are you afraid of? I know I asked you that question earlier, but what are you afraid of? 
What fear in your life grips you to the point where you are immovable, you are speechless, and you are lifeless to some degree? Maybe some of you have lost a job over this last year. You walked into your boss's office, and they told you that you were fired, and you had no clue that it was coming, and you were, seriously? Like, one of these moments, really? I mean, I've got a family. I don't know if I'm going to find another job, and you just, you just fired me? Our church family has lost a few people this year, and it's been, it's been extremely difficult. But there have been a few moments where we've lost a few people in our lives, and, and, and maybe you've had this experience, but it, when you find out that your loved one has passed away, it's, it's a fear that you'll never get to have a relationship with again like that. Some of us have gone through divorce this past year. And maybe it's a fear for you that you'll never find a relationship again that you can have with that you have with that former spouse and, and, and it was an ugly divorce, but you're just afraid to move out into the, the, the fish pools, I suppose, and find that someone else because you're afraid, you are gripped with fear that it might not work out again. I think some of us have a fear of apathy. Now this is the worst kind of fear because You're not actually afraid of apathy, but apathy is actually what makes you fearful in life. And you walk around, walking around, scared to death of everything, but you actually really don't care. You're actually dead because you don't care at all. We have a fear of apathy. Some of us have a fear of parenting this morning. That's a scary thing in itself. Some of us have fear of money, that we don't have enough money. These are real fears that grip the very inner souls of our life and keep us speechless, immovable, lifeless, and what I like to say, dead. Maybe it's the fear of knowing that there's more to life and you're afraid to live up to the more and you live in the less. That's a fear. i got to be honest today, that's how I feel often. That there's more to life than this, and I'm living in the less and not in the more. Somebody, come on, somebody say amen this morning, because that's how I feel at times. And so my question to you is, what are you afraid of? What do you fear? Now here's where it gets good this morning. Because I'm about to tell you a story that never gets told on Easter Sunday. Ever. Ever. I started reading the Easter story about three weeks ago, started working on it two weeks ago, and I remember being stuck on this very character, and I could not get my mind off of her. In fact, Matthew introduces us to her today. Her name's Mary. He introduces us to Mary, 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 and Mary, and Mary. You ever feel like when reading the Bible, what Mary are they talking about? It's like, I know there's like only five, but it feels like 205, you know? But this morning, he introduces us to Mary Magdalene. Matthew introduces us to to Mary. And we don't know a lot about Mary. Here's what we do know. She grew up on the west side of the Sea of Galilee in the little town of Magdala, hence Mary of Magdalene. You get it, right? And we do know that in Luke's gospel, we find her possessed by demons and, and having sort of infirmities and diseases that need to be healed. Now, she is with a group of women in this moment. And what I want you to know is she is listed first among all these women. The other thing we know about Mary is that she had property of her own. In fact, she resourced Jesus' ministry in many ways. But if you begin to do your research and you do your background, you will find about Mary Magdalene that she is one of the most faithful followers we have ever witnessed in life. 
Here's the thing. We have the great party of Palm Sunday, and then we have the crisis of the cross on Good Friday. And where did everybody go? Did you know that the disciples are not recorded next to the crucifixion? Where's Peter? Licking his wounds. Where's Judas? Oh, he hung himself. Where are the disciples, the people who claimed to follow him for the last three years? Where did they go? There's only one gospel that actually claims that one of those persons was there. And, of course, he wrote the book. (laughs) But nobody else says that. (laughs) You would too, right? Oh, yeah, I was there. I mean, two miles away. But but you got to understand this. The first one mentioned in Mark's gospel at the crucifixion is who? Mary of Magdalene. The first one who witnesses the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the first day of his new world is who? Mary Magdalene. She was healed first. She was at the, she was at the crucifixion first. And she was the first one to witness him. Which tells me something. She knows something about the resurrection that we don't. Right? She knows something that we don't. She, she gets an understanding of what happened that we can't get. And I'm going to tell you more about that story later. But there's something really cool about Mary that you have never heard before. Maybe you have. We may have some scholars in here. But Mary had a relationship with Jesus that was much like John's. See, John's gospel tells us things that other gospels don't. But Mary had a special relationship with Jesus, and she had conversations with him that she decided she was going to record. Did you know that there was a gospel of Mary that was found in 1896? Now, we don't, we don't recognize this as part of her Bible, but I'm actually preaching from her gospel today. I don't know if that's okay, but we're going to do it. But she gives us insight to this word, tufobu. She gives us insight to this word afraid by her account of conversations that she had with Jesus. Now, it's going to get a little heady just for a second. So I need you to hang in. Put on your thinking caps. You're smart people. I get it. You'll, 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 you'll do just fine. But I want you to hear what she writes. The Savior, Jesus, and the disciples around having a conversation. And the Savior says this. Now, this is really weird, but I need you to hang on. All natures. All formations, all creatures exist in and with one another. And they will be resolved again into their own roots. I need you to hang on to that. Resolved again into their own roots. For the nature of the matter is resolved in the roots of its nature alone. Here, He who has ears, let him hear. And then Peter, you know, the one who always should put a foot in his mouth, stands up and asks a question he never should have asked. Actually, I'm glad he did. Peter said... Jesus, since you have explained everything to us, tell us also, what is the sin of the world? Now that is a loaded question. But who should we ask in Jesus, right? Now this is what Mary records. This is what Jesus says. The Savior said, listen, there is no sin. What? He says, there is no sin, but it is you who make sin when you do the things that are the nature of adultery, which is called sin. 
That is why the good, capital G, came into your midst to the essence of your very nature in order to restore you to its roots. Yo, come on, here we go. That's right. Powerful. But I need to work through three phrases in this. Jesus makes an earth-shattering statement. And it's not just a statement, it's a declaration. He says, there is no sin. And you're saying, you're crazy. Look at the world. Now, I know for many of us this word sin is a dirty word. See, if you're like me, it takes you back to the days when we had fear-mongering preaching that would lead you to following, right? Tell you how bad you are and how horrible you are and how you need God. Some of you experience this in life, right? We're not going to do that today. Because here's what I think when I think about sin. What if sin, what if sin is doing something other than what we were designed to do? Now that kind of puts a different spin on it, right? What I'm telling you is you were meant to do something in life and you're choosing not to do it. And when we don't do that, there is a separation from God in some sense. But what would a world look like without sin? Could you imagine if people lived into the existence in which they were designed, there would be no hunger, no hatred, no violence ever. If people lived God created them for, the earth would run with a pace of peace. If people lived into the life that God had created it for, there would be an eternal Eden of love that we experience here in this moment. Can I just say that Jesus says something that's not subjective? He says something very objective to us this morning. He says, there is no sin. Say that with me. There is. Is no sin. But I don't think we believe it because then Jesus says this. But it is who? You who make sin. Simply put, the world has the capacity to live at a pace of peace. It has the capacity to exist without hatred, without racism, without violence. It has that capacity. But he says, by your own choice and freedom. You are the ones who bring into my creation I want nothing of. You see, you are the ones who create hell on earth. We never want to acknowledge that. You see, we want God to save the world. We just don't think it's politically correct for him to save us, right? We wouldn't want to use language like that. Yet we don't want to recognize the fact that we're the problem. So God tells us, he says, I have made you and created you and called you what? Good. I have designed you to do good. It would be a good place if you would simply live out of the image that I created you in, which is good. This is something to celebrate. Other than what we were designed to do, we choose not good, and we choose to live something other than what God intended for you. And then he says this. How do we know what makes for sin? He says, 
when you do the things that are the nature of adultery. Now, I want you to hear me say, he didn't say the things of adultery. He says the, the nature of adultery, which is important. I want to oppose the thought to you because our modern minds, when we hear the word uh, adultery, go to marriage and infidelity. But what if the nature of adultery is a betrayal of our very being? Think about that. What if the nature of adultery is a betrayal of our very being? And a betrayal of our very being is what Mary expresses to us today, a faithfulness. You see, when we live faithless, we live in fear, we live in anxiousness, right? And we live out of fear that, that, that actually we live out of faithless to the one who created us to live into a new life. And I can tell you right now, without a doubt, that when we live with faithlessness, you will experience speechlessness. You will experience a statue-like existence. You will feel dead inside even though you are alive. You'll be like a dead man walking. You will be scared to death. And the problem is, when we live afraid, when we live like the soldiers to Fobu, we allow sin to reign supreme in this world. Again, something other than what God designed. But here's where the story gets good. I love this. Verse 5, it says, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you into the Galilee. There you will see him. And now I've told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Is it possible to be afraid and filled with joy at the same time? You see, this moment takes us back to the very beginning where we are introduced to the word afraid to Fobu, the soldiers. But it is in this moment we are given a new expression of what it means to be afraid. In fact, the translation goes metaphobu. And you're saying, I don't care about that. You should. And here's why. Nowhere else in the gospel, nowhere else in the Bible is this word afraid, metaphobu, ever used again. You're saying, well, pastor, why? So <laughs> that's right. Glad you're so studious today. You see, in the pinnacle of discovering the resurrected Christ from the dead, a new kind of fear enters the world for the first time. You're not as excited as I am. This is really, really good. I mean, what Mary wants to tell us is when I went to the tomb and there was nothing there in that moment, I was afraid, metaphobu, a completely different new kind of afraid, that came into the world for the first time, that now moves us to the immensities and the possibilities of life. You see, it is a fear that they thought wouldn't happen, that actually happened. And when they found that Jesus resurrected from the dead, she realized that there was endless possibilities to our existence in life. 
that now we could live into the design that God created us for. That we could live into, hear this now, not faithlessness, but faithfulness. And you're saying, I don't care about that word, faithfulness. Well, let me tell you. Faithfulness, like Mary, combats the nature of adultery. Now, I know some of you didn't catch that, but what I'm trying to say is is that Mary wants to tell us today, there is no sin when you have a fear, a metaphobu, not a tofubu. That's hard to say. (laughs) When you have a metaphobu, you are now living into a fear that moves you beyond the existence of sin. That you are no longer held captive by that, but you are now living into the design God has for you. Am I the only one that's excited today? My goodness. And I love it. What Mary wants us to tell us today is this. The roots have been restored. The roots have been restored. This is good news. This is good news to you and to me. That God, the good, came in and he has restored you to have the capacity to do good in life. And that by doing good, you will defeat sin and you will bring about everything that he ever wanted in this world. Now, while I don't, we don't officially recognize Mary's letter as part of the Bible, I've already told you that. I think I have a newfound appreciation for her afraidness. That's not a word, but I'm a pastor, so I can make it up. I have a newfound appreciation for her afraidness and fear. See, Mary has grasped the depth of how life was changed that day and how it would never be the same. See, not only was it a new life for Christ, but it was new life in Christ for her. In fact, because of her reverence, because of her being fully committed and faithful, because she was first, 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 and first at every event of Jesus Christ, she had this power that she understood about the resurrection that we don't get. In fact, if you go back to her letter, and I need you to stick with me on this because this is where it really gets good. She's telling her story. I have a different kind of afraid that you don't understand. In fact, she tells that the disciples were gathered around and they were grieved. They were grieved. They wept greatly, saying, this is her words, How shall we go to the world? How shall we go to the Gentiles and preach the kingdom like the Son of Man? And listen to what the disciples say. They said, if they did not spare Jesus, how will they spare us? You hear the language again of the soldiers at the beginning of the story. How will they spare us? We're going to die. Then Mary stood up. I love that. That's resurrection language. Mary stood up, and she greeted them, and she said, Hello, brethren. (laughs) I don't know. I just, whatever. She says, Do not weep. Do not grieve, nor be irresolute, for his grace will be entirely with you and protect you. Why are you fearing death? She said, rather, let's praise his greatness, for he has prepared us and made us into men, capitalized, meaning into the image of God. Meaning we were designed to do something, and you're sitting here worried about being killed. Get it together, disciples. 
Peter said to Mary, I love this. Peter said to Mary, sister, we know that the Savior loved you more than the rest of the women, not more than the men. (laughs) Whatever. But then he says, tell us the words of the Savior that you remember, but we do not, for we haven't heard them before. Now Mary goes on, and she tells them all these weird, very cool, nuanced New age kind of thoughts that don't make sense to the disciples. And when she ends her monologue, when she ends telling them what Jesus had revealed to her and told her, a brethren stands up named Andrew. And Andrew said, I don't know about you guys, but I don't actually believe that Jesus said these things. He said, I don't believe that Jesus said these strange ideas. Not that Jesus ever said anything strange at all. And then Peter chimed in. He said, you know what? I agree with you as well, Andrew. I don't think he did either. He really, listen to what Peter says. Did he really speak privately to a woman? Ooh. And not openly to us? Ooh. You see, now they're beginning to question the very power that she experienced from the resurrection of Christ. Then Mary wept and said, Peter and my brothers, do you think that I've made this stuff stuff up in my heart? That I'm lying about the Savior? And then Levi, who is Levi? I mean, Levi chimes in from the third row. He said, Peter, you've always been hot-tempered. Forget about that love stuff. It's on, man. Contending against a woman like an adversary. Who has the name adversary? Satan. Oh, I think what Levi is saying, Peter, you are now living like you are dead. But if the Savior made Mary Magdalene worthy, who are you to reject her? Surely the Savior knows her. Knows her because she was there at every moment of life. He says, surely he knows her well. I mean, this is a really good story. That is why he loved her more than us. Rather, let us be ashamed and put on the perfect man. Let us put on Christ in this moment and separate as he commanded us to preach the gospel, not laying down any other rule or any other law beyond the Savior said. Now listen to this. And when they had heard this, they began to go forth and proclaim the good news to all the world. Now, here's why that's exciting. Because because they actually listened to somebody who was at the very moment, who witnessed Jesus, who said, a new command I give you, do not be afraid. But how could we not fear the power of the resurrection? Do not be afraid. Go into all the world and hear the disciples whining, afraid of death. And Mary says, let me give you a metaphobu like you've never experienced before. Power. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ has the power to change lives in all the world. And so my question to you today is this. What are you afraid of? Do you live by a fear that has seized you into a death-like captivity where you robotically go through emotions of everyday life rid with anxiety? 
feeling like you were designed for something more in life? Do you fear that there is more potential than to what you're currently doing? Do you fear that you're not worth it? That you're worth enough? Can, can I challenge you this morning? I mean, you wouldn't have come on Easter Sunday if you didn't want to be challenged, right? Can I ask you this morning, what if you were willing to live up to what God designed you to do today? What if you started to live into that very image to the point where it appeared as there is no sin in the world? What if you had a fear of the resurrection of Christ that when God said he would come to life, which is totally crazy, and he did, that that power is also in you? And instead of walking around in life like a zombie like most of us do, what if you were meant to experience life with a capacity that feels as though it's endless? Here's what I need you to know today. We always give our people one thing they need to know before they leave. And that is this. Fearing the fear conquers fear. Fearing the fear conquers fear. Now some of you are saying that doesn't make sense. You're right, it doesn't. But it will in a minute. Fearing the fear, which is the power of the resurrection, conquers fear, which is a death-like existence on earth, which is sin in itself. So you think sin is about all the bad you do. Really, it's about you not living up to everything that God has called you to do. That's a completely different spin on it, right? See, we, we want to be told how bad we are. But I want to tell you that all the things that you can do. And so my question to you today is will you live by a new fear? Will you live with a metaphobu in life? Will you be daring enough to follow for the first time? That is the challenge today. And the question I want to leave you with is, what are you afraid of? So let me pray for you. Lord, we give thanks for this moment. We give thanks for the power that you give us to live as conquerors over sin and death. We thank you for the power that you give us to move into life. And we recognize today that your good news is for all, for all of humanity.